Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to 100% Hits Volume Pod, the podcast that looks at the greatest compilation series Australia has ever produced. Nay, the world has ever produced. My name is Josh Earl, and today we're joined by very special guests. It's Geraldine Quinn, everyone. Yay! Yay. Hey, Quinny. Hi, hi, hi. hi. Um, How are you I doing? Just, I just bottled it at the first step by talking over you. Oh, <laughs> oh no, my career in radio is over. Hey, can I, can I say, people who have listened to my podcast before are... Well-versed with people talking over top of people. We're living I, in a Zoom generation. People are I, used to it. I know. I don't like it, though. I mean, I try I try not to do it, but it's that, usually because, yeah, a big family, it's like really hard to get attention. And anyway, it's, look, it's nice to be here. It's lovely to have you here. Now, we're talking about Volume 4, Side B. It was released in 92. Mm-hmm. That's do you a, remember much about the year 92, Geraldine? I really do. I have, as you know, listened to a few of your episodes and this is an era that you, I'm going to put in an early pitch to get me back on because this is very pivotal. I ah. was in year 12. Yep. So, so I'm a little bit older than you and we've got a similar-ish taste, though I yep. consider your knowledge vastly more encyclopedic than mine. That's just because the apathy kicked in, really. Um, but yeah, I was, and I graduated when I was 17. So, so this is a good era for you because not only are you into music, you're also listing or trying to navigate your own way and find stuff that you like. Yes. And what's interesting to me particularly is, and this was brought home because I have just joined TikTok recently and someone in my For You page popped up the top 10 in Australia. I think it was 94. Yep. And my reaction to it was visceral <laughs> because it it really brought back all those feelings of there is nothing for <laughs> me here. Well, I love those things. Sometimes it comes up like uh, the the number one song on your 12th birthday tells you everything you need to know about you and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, Christ. I yeah. always love it because one year, I don't remember what year it was, but it was Meryl Brainbridge's Mouth. And I I love that song. I think that is a great karaoke song for, Look, it, it's for people of a certain generation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's true. And it took, honestly, I, I, it took me such a long time to, um, to, to work through the cringe of yep. my of this era in particular, this kind of late eighties into the nineties, yep. because this was when independent kind of music was still an alternative stuff. You couldn't get anything. No, the way, the way I describe it to people, and I may have said this on your podcast before, you had to order shit in from overseas to hear it. So I ordered Pablo Honey by oh. Radiohead in to Heartland's records because I was convinced it would never take off. Did your family have those? like CD clubs that they were involved in that you could buy like five CDs for like, I think it was like $40. It was, it was cheaper than in the store. 
but the, no, it, no. it was kind of like that pyramid sale where once you're in, you've got to buy five every month. Otherwise, they charge you more. Oh, I know what you mean. I think there was a bit of Reader's Digest stuff with classical music, but yeah. I'm the sixth out of seven kids and I had some a lot of music in the family and we really didn't do a lot of compilations. So this is... Yeah. This is- so you wouldn't have had any of these, like, Humbercents? Holy shit, no. No. Okay. <laughs> we had, we had, we're a full album kind of a family. Because I yeah. did, my eldest brother is also a massive music snob. I'm not yeah. as bad as him, though. So, yeah. I See, I didn't, my older brother liked what he liked, but he wasn't really into music. He just was like, yeah, I like it. But he was into bands. He was really into R.E.M. Mm. He was really into Hundreds of Collectors and Midnight Oil, those kind of bands. Like, mm. You're more big kind of rock bands, but not your hair metal rock kind of bands. Well, yeah. well that, that eldest brother of mine had many bands. So yeah. um, a lot of us, as you probably know, about half of us ended up being musicians of some type. And yeah. um, But he had some great named bands. He had a band called The Spanish Gardener, which is after the Dirk Bogard film, which I highly recommend for homoeroticism. And he also, my other favourite band name of his was Yellow Plastic Assassin. That's good. We're going to talk about some great band names in an act coming up. But okay. We'll, 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 we'll hang on to that. What we're going to talk about first is a little man who goes by many names. Some people call him Mark Lazotte. Some people used to call him Johnny Diesel and the Injectors. But right now in 92, we're just calling him Diesel. And if you don't want to know the scores, look away now. It's a nice guitar sound. Mm. It does sound a little bit hundreds of collectors there. Holy Grail. Oh yeah. Tonight, tonight I'm gonna make my true confession. Got my coverage up, there's nothing that can keep it down now. My words get tangled up in good intentions, but I know I'm We won't get to the chorus in this. It's okay. It's the same chorus. Yeah. All right, let's... We get it. We get it. What do you think of Diesel, tip of my tongue? Well, look. Look, look. Look. Uh, There was a whole kind of plethora of, of, of Australian dudes with guitars doing black and white film clips back then. Yes. Now, uh, I should I should point out to the listener, we've just come off, so this is song one of side B. We've just come off James Blundell and James Rain, who have, I think, black and white film clip yes. for Way Out West as well. So yeah. they're back to back them. Yeah, lots of guitars and sort of sitting in a barn, um, probably somewhere near Shepparton. And yep. some lady in very high-waisted jeans for the time uh, yep. walking through a wheat field or something. I, I don't know. Also, uh, a, lot, a lot of vests. A lot of vests with no <laughs> shirts underneath. <laughs> and I mean vest in the, like, uh, button-up vest, not your, your singlet kind like of. A, like a waistcoat. Yeah, it's a waistcoat, <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I mentioned at the top before I played it, if you don't want to know the scores, look away now, because this was my childhood of... They used to delay a football game and mm. Channel 7 would always play this song when they would show what the scores were live on the game you were watching. And so it was like, if you don't know, Sandy Roberts saying, if you don't know the scores, look away now. And then you'd see like Melbourne, 
versus Hawthorne. Oh, and, I didn't. Yeah. I did not get your reference because I despise football. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but for, for, for me, but, that was it. They, they need to bring it back. It's a little bit like in the late 70s, early 80s on ABC, whenever there was a bit of a gap between shows, they'd play the Butterfly Ball film clip sung by Ronnie James Dio. So oh. that was on constantly because it was about three minutes, so it would just fill in before because it was ABC. There's no ads. Yep. So they'd play that all. Look it up. It's an amazing film clip. The song's truly great. If anyone uh, from Channel 7 Sports Department is listening, and I hope you are, <laughs> Please, please bring this back and also bring back the little animations that when one team beat the other, that would come on the bottom of the screen. I remember the blues would eat the football and turn really muscly. And Aww. that was, and kangaroos, my team, used to hop around a lot. And I loved it. So please bring that back. Oh, I like the duck. I love the little duck that used to walk across oh, the, the, cricket, the screen yeah. and the cricket. Yeah. So see, good. see, cricket, fine. Football, yep. no. Uh, look, Diesel, you're right. He's like the John Cougar Mellencamp of Yes, <laughs> of that is so <laughs> apt. Because I always say, like, every every country has their own, like, Bob Dylan. Yeah. Like, I would say ours is Paul Kelly. Yeah. Our, like our, it's like a folk singer. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. England's is Billy Bragg. Yep. Like, New Zealand's Dave Dobbin. Like... <laughs> I got respect for Dave, but... Yeah, yeah, so do I. But it's a thing of, like, we also may have our own John Cougar Mellencamp and Diesel. You you bag on there. Yeah. It is perfect. Perfect yeah. analogy. <laughs> yes. And there was this real kind of thing of, uh, at the time, I think in the 90s, there was a lot of um, looking back to blues and also 60s soul. So you had your Peter Blakely's oh. and, and then, I don't know, when Barnsley did his... River Soul Deep. Down. Yeah, when was that later in the 90s? But 92, because I just saw oh. a massive big A0 poster saying 30 year of Soul Deep. He's back. He's doing yes. it again. Yeah. yeah. So there was, there was because I noticed in some of your earlier episodes, people were talking about that whole, people were really obsessed with the, you mentioned Otis Redding. There was that yes. vibe of Soul that a whole bunch of very white dudes decided to, yep. to do either cover or kind of roll into. Well, I, into I feel world. society always looks back 30 years yep. to, and we bring it back. So the happy days effect. Yes. So that was it. So with our next act, we're going to talk about, they are very much involved in that. This is voice of the beehive. And this is <laughs> their cover of, I think I love you. Jesus Christ. That so intro, much- can I just say, it sounds like you're unbelievable. Whoa! <laughs> but shit. All right, we'll put you out of your pain there, Quinny. You, you don't seem wept. to be liking that one. No, I, no, just yeah, no. Well, because I've been. A, oh. it, it's that no. I, I, I need to exorcise a demon. I, it's just, it's the wall of production that yeah, that is the real hangover of the Stock Aitken and Waterman era, which it isn't them. I looked up the song, uh, yep. the production team, and was. 
amazed that there's a link to madness in this. Two of the members are in madness. Yes. I mean, Mark it's Bedford really, and Daniel Woodgate. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm saddened and appalled. But well, I, I think that it was an easy chase for a chart kind of yeah. reach there. Because I don't mind. I quite like this song. This is a Partridge Family song. And it's a, what I love about this song is it's it's got all these great changes to it. So it, it, it keeps kind of modulating our main motif melodically around. And and I think it stands up as a song, but it's just relentless wall of production. Well, I'll, I'll give you a bit of history about the band. So this is their second album from their second album. It's called, the album's called Honey Lingers. Oh, the oh, hey, good name. Yeah. Well, the first album was called Let It Be, spelt B-double-E. Less good name. <laughs> you can't, you just can't steal the Beatles, and unless you're like a Seinfeld uh, movie. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> it's two sisters: Tracy Burr, and Melissa Brooke Belland. Uh, they're both from uh, the uh, America. Mm-hmm. They're living in the UK. They meet up with a bunch of British musicians. So it's Mike Jones, uh, Martin Brett, and Mark Bedford, and Daniel Woodgate, who are the two Madness members. Mm-hmm. These are some of the original band names. So you were talking about your brother's bands. Uh, yeah. These are some of their band names. Their first band name they were was Barbie and Ken's Fake Hair. I don't hate that. That's Yeah. It, it suits the style of the band. Mm-hmm. Or for the, for, as you all know, they're all brightly coloured, like wearing kind of that kind of day glow fluoro kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, the next one was Down Worm Down. Sorry, could you repeat that? Down please? Worm Down. Worm. Worm. Down. W-O-R-M. Mm. Yeah, mm. well, and the last one, which I think is very apt now, I think there could be a, a band that come out, The They Monster. <laughs> <laughs> they could have been ahead of the game with their pronouns. This is good. I, 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 I like it, but more as like a La Mama play than yeah. as a band name. So this was their biggest hit. Uh, I think I love it. They did a few covers. Their album was mostly originals, but they always put a few covers on there. They did three albums, then broke up. Uh, so the two Mad- Madness members just went off to go and be in Madness again. and went, oh, this is fun, but we're going to go away again. Oh, look, uh, i got no problem with that. Elvis Costello wrote a whole album for yeah. Wendy James. That's from Transvision Vamp. So it's, it's work, you know. They, yeah, they disband, but then... The band, not the not the two singers, so the actual musicians, mm. form to back together in 2017 without the sisters involved. And the sisters, and there's a there's a, a Voice of the Beehive fan page which has a statement from the sisters saying how disappointed they are, and this is not right, and we are Voice of the Beehive, and they are not, and it's it, it got pretty messy. I'm kind of on the side of the sisters on this because yeah. I. Forgive me, presumed that they were the reason that this existed. That's what I thought, but no. Anyway. Oh, my God. Well, I'm really happy to never hear that cover ever again. <laughs> well. A good l- luck to them. Except when you listen back to this episode. When of I, when course. I it. Yes. Of course. Hey, speaking of bands fighting, uh, this is the next band. Possibly the biggest <laughs> band. Probably, I don't know. At some stages, the biggest band in the world. I'm not sure if uh, in 92 they were, but they were way up there. I'm, of course, talking about you 2 And this is their absolute classic song, One. Oh, they're big. 
be a lot of dads in the comments on this one as well. <laughs> the YouTube clip. Between this and Diesel. Is it yeah. <laughs> or do you feel the same? I'm fascinated by Bono's voice. Will it make it easier on you? In that it is it's good, but it's not stand out. Yeah. It's good, but it's not. It's not good, but it is. It's like the, it's a great example of a really unique voice that works with yes. this band. Yeah. I want him doing a cover of any Partridge family songs. It works on this. Alright, and then we'll get it rid of it there. So this at the time of recording this, they were all, they split up for a bit. Did you know this? I didn't. I do remember Zootopia kind of hitting uh, the charts like a freight train, though. Yeah. So this is from Aktung Baby. Oh yes, that one. Was yeah. That, which one was before? Uh, I think this was before. This was. Uh... Well, this whichever one was first. It was like because U two was Joshua Tree for a hundred yes. years, and then well, as far as the last time they were really they really yep. were big. Obviously, they did work before then. That was great, but then this just went. Yep. Yeah, this was a huge album. I remember uh, our house had this album, uh, the only U2 album our house ever had. And I don't know whose it was. Definitely wasn't mine. And I don't think it was my brother's, but maybe my dad My dad got it. I don't know. But I it was think it on, on the, tape. I think it might be the only U2 album I own. Yeah. I'm but not sure. It, so what happened was uh, they weren't inspired by the writing process and the songs they had and they were like going, hey, should we just disband for a while until we get our mojo back? And mm. then uh, Bono had uh, kind of was kind of working out some like kind of chord progressions and then uh, The Edge was in the studio. He came up with the progression uh, and then Bono went and wrote some music, over, uh, some lyrics over the top and then they went, oh, this is it. And it sparked them back in and then they got into it. And then they were recording with uh, Brian Eno. They were in Berlin. Brian Eno came in. They had a bunch of songs. And he said to them, there's just one song I really despise and that's one. Oh, Brian. So he made them go away and deconstruct it. Oh, and did they? Uh, Well, kind of. But I think they pretty much stayed true to themselves. Right. Like, I just want to. I just want to point out. I was googling a bit while you were chatting, and I did say Zootopia, which yep. is a film. I meant uh, Zeropa. Zeropa. So with lemon on it. If yep. you want, I can say Zeropa, and you can just cut it out and drop it in really obviously. <laughs> or I reckon I might just leave this bit in, so people who are ah! streaming Zootopia realize. Oh no, they understood oh, what they were ne- talking about. I'm nearly fifty. I forget things. Yeah. So, uh, no, look, I don't have anything bad to say about one. It's it's hard to. I was walking oh. the dog, listening to this playlist, and just wandering through a field with a stag hound on the end of a lead, and the wind blowing, and the yep. sun was out, and it was just. It's it's so simple and it's just very good. Yeah, what what I like Bono does fascinate me as a person. Mm. Just to have that kind of like I'm always fascinated by bands who go we want to write songs that fill stadiums when they're not a stadium filling band. Like can you imagine playing these songs in like your small pub with this giant sound going no this when we're playing in front of like 50,000 people this will make sense. But right now 20 people in a front bar, this doesn't make sense. But 
you need those types of people in the world to go, yeah, like that's, we have a vision. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah, I, I can understand that, Josh. Have you seen any of my shows? Yes. Well, I thought I, I, you, of the one person I could talk to, you would understand. <laughs> Very early in my career, I was getting reviews like, she seems to sing like she's in Wembley Stadium, but it's a 20-seat room. And you know what? Now I'm in 70-seat rooms 20 years later, and I still sing that loud. Um, <laughs> look, yeah, it is, it, it's, um, it's a great clip and it's a great song, and... What I love about it too, I'm just being serious for a second, listeners, is that you kind of musically as well as lyrically, you're kind of always fighting between, is this a sad song or is this a, an uplifting song? Yeah. And maybe that's why it resonates a lot because it's got some of that complexity of of what happiness and 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 uh, loss or sorrow or well, that's the thing. this feels like. The band say that they've had many people say, hey, this was our wedding song. And they're like, mm. what do you mean? It can't be a wedding song. It's a song about loss. Mm. It's, it's yeah. Because loss kind of implies that there was a, a love there because you have to love something to miss it. Yeah. And I think that's really, it's just fucking profound. Q said uh, in 20, 2003, it was uh, of the 1001 best songs in the world, this is number one. Number one of all time. But Q always would give them five oh, stars for whatever, everything they did. Q. <laughs> Get your hand off it, Q. Well, you mentioned Qs. the film clip as well. Um, this was totally in the days of uh, record labels being very, very bloated because they made three different film clips because they weren't happy with the first two. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Which one did I see on video hits then? <laughs> it was the one that uh, Phil Janu, uh, or I hope I'm saying that right, he... he directed the third one although it's only bono in it the band were downstairs having a party just waiting for the director to come and get them and then oh. they finished and they went, went do you need us and went no no we're done so they just it's, sat downstairs think, having a party i don't think that's the one i'm used to oh, okay i feel like it might be the mark pellington one that i'm oh, used right to. with uh flowers and stuff I I'm looking at the the um the google search okay. and i can see some bison Oh, all right. Never, well, we love a bit of bison. Anyway, that's not this the is going to be a long podcast. We're going to get through it. Okay. We probably won't play this one very long. Okay. So this song is by an Australian band. Okay. I know which one now. <laughs> Candy Harlots. Oh, and boy. Their song, Sisters Crazy. I'm honest with you, this is the only one. On you didn't this know? List. get the gist of this, that this was the you sent me a list and and this is the only one that we couldn't find on on spotify on spotify so you sent yeah. me the clip so i start watching the clip and 
I want to give people some context. I am from Wagga Wagga, so regional New South Wales, but I grew up in Melbourne. I got the city that they were from within 10 seconds. <laughs> I don't know the venue that they're standing in front of before somebody jumps in and goes, well, duh, obviously. Yeah. I went, they're from Sydney. Yeah. Like, yes. straight away. So... <laughs> Candy's, Candy Harlots, there's been 13 members of Candy Harlots. So this was like the second incarnation of the band. Is that the I right know, word? Incarnation? I was scrolling no. through the past members and oh, it just kept going. So many past members. Okay, so they had quite, uh, they formed in, I think, 87. They had quite a, um, a fanatical live following. And you can imagine a band like this, especially like in 87. When oh, totally. I, rec- I reckon those several years are the last gasp of where it was possible to actually be a pub band in yeah. Australia. And the bands that are making it big at the time are people like Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, all those kind of hair metal bands. Mm-hmm. And these guys were the kind of support act, the Australian support act of those bands. So they supported The Cult, Cheap Trick, Diviners, who are Australian, but, you know, huge. The Angels, The Sunny Boys. These were, and they also, in 1991 were ACDC's uh, support on their Razor's Edge tour. Okay, so they did They did okay. Did, ve- did very well in yeah. terms of, like, you know, a working band like this. But unfortunately, I think their timing was just out in terms of, like, they're, like, un- two years too late for this. Everyone's yeah. kind of moving on from that. It's I don't know if you've seen, um, and this will, you know, listeners, Trust me, I, I'm a nice person. I am cool. But I watched the Pam and Tommy uh, show on no, uh, heard, Disney+. I've Plus. heard some pretty good things. I'm not going to judge you. To- to- Toby Lee is talking about that where, you know, they've just released, a, Motley Crue's released their album, but Nirvana's come out and no one cares about, like, people wearing leopard prints and teasing up their hair anymore. It's funny, yeah. You've mentioned Nirvana before. It's uh, I was a very... Britpop. I know that yeah. people like Jarvis Cocker can't stand that word, but I was very theatrical pop influenced UK but you if you were a guitar band yeah of any description yes like Nirvana just comes in and goes bye um yep. but you I mean you could say this Elastica should have been that that big as far as like a really good fall piece and that they sort of absolutely thing. should of, of yeah. all those Britpop bands of that generation, they're the ones who seem to get lost in all this talk of... That's right. And then you get the baby animals and people like that coming out here and you go, you're a good, solid rock band. But I've heard all... I've heard what's happening in Seattle now. Yeah. Yeah. And and I always felt at the time a little bit like Australia, oh, like nothing's changed, is a bit behind (laughs) in terms of what's going to work and be big. Yeah. And that goes a lot down to that comes down to industry as well. Any any arts industry, they're going to decide what they think is going to sell. And it always felt like we were a little behind this huge rift in what was happening in music. Like I said, I had to order Radiohead in. Yeah. And now those bands, um, they became when Song Two hit, suddenly Blur. Everybody knew who the fuck they were. We couldn't. Nobody knew in '92. Yeah, it's funny though because Damien Lovelock from the Celibate Rifles he talked about when Nirvana would come out, they would hit up all the local record stores and just buy up all the local stuff. They loved the uh, like that early '90s Australian sound. Yeah. So you've got bands like the Welcome Mat and all that kind of stuff. Oh and, my God, and, Welcome Mat. Yeah. <laughs> and and they were really into it, but he says that and this is from a documentary called Dead Set. 
Uh, and oh. it, he, he talks about, like, Australians at the time, we just had that cultural cringe where we didn't really support our acts unless they went overseas 100%. and made it big. Oh, that hasn't, that hasn't changed that much, mate. No, it hasn't. <laughs> no, but that's right, particularly with – there were some super interesting Australian bands in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. And, and, and what I think has been so difficult – I'll get serious again. Sorry, pods. Um, what I think has been really interesting – and I wrote an album about this in 2011. Like, I recorded it in 2016, but I wrote a show about how this, there's still this pervasive idea that you can just tour – because Australia's got this amazing bands that have come out of the, the yeah. live circuit. It just started to disintegrate around yeah. the late late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. And it just wasn't possible to do that. So, so yeah, this is, a, this is why I think this is such an interesting kind of time period for yeah. what was in the charts versus what people were doing on the ground. And, and it is interesting that the label have put it on this compilation as well because it, it's so out of place with everything else. Yeah. But they're obviously going... Hey, we need to push this band. Like, they're, I reckon that if you saw them live, would be a great band. Oh, but even just, if they were just supporting, a style, if yeah. they were supporting, you, I could see somebody at, at um, Big Day Out going. I don't know if that's the sort of gig they'd get, but um, I could see someone turning up to see the cult, yeah, and then being on, and you might be shouting over the music to your friend, but your foot'd be tapping. Yeah, yeah. But did you read the comments on this YouTube? I didn't read the comments. Everyone's okay. saying. What a great band. It's not a lot of comments. There's a lot of people saying amazing live. Okay. Like a lot of people that. But I don't, you might want to cut this. No, go for it. But I, 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 I took a screenshot because someone, I won't say their name, but they have got a really good name, um, said, I'm going to pronounce their name wrong. It says, guitarist Mark DeHugger has sadly passed away today. Fly high, mate. Because he did pass away yeah. a while ago. And then somebody replied to that and said, Mark DeHugger left the band in 1990, though. This song came out in 1992, which is pretty pissy. Not the time to be pedantic, mate. Not really. (laughs) I told you about music nerds. They're the fucking worst. And then the original poster replied, I was just leaving a tribute to one of the founders, regardless. Yeah. To which the the pissy person said, I know. The next time, it's hard to argue with. Yeah, <laughs> if you're ever on TikTok or in the YouTube comments, and something pops up in your for you page, and you yeah. feel like you need to leave a comment saying how much you personally hate this fucking song, maybe don't. Do you, do you know what I want from this episode? When I post it up on Twitter or Instagram, saying, "Hey, great new episode with Geraldine Quinn," put in just comment. I know. That's all I want. I want to get. <laughs> I know. Yeah, and and it's got to be all lowercase. Yep. And a full stop. I know, full stop. I don't want to see a single uppercase letter in that. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Statement. Okay. All right. Moving on. The only song in the entire compilation going from volume one all the way to volume three, which deals with getting fucked by a ghost. This is... <laughs> Concrete blondes. I keep hitting the microphone. <laughs> Ghost of a Texas lady man. 
Ladies man. Are you ready, Steve? Oh, yeah. yeah. Andy? Huh? <laughs> I'll try and cut out my microphone slats. I'm a physical person. All right, Johnette, what you got for us? I saw a face in the shower door. A cowboy smile came and faded. I reached for my towel on the floor. I didn't think it was exactly where I laid it. I didn't think I knew this. You don't scare me. You don't scare me, I said. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do whatever it was, floating. He knew I'd understand He was the ghost of a Texas ladies' man Alright, I'd say that would be a very fun song to see live because the the crowd gets to join in with the That's that's a fun part So a bit of background on this song Yeah Based on a true story. <laughs> so you said, let's see what you got, Jonette. So singer of Concrete Blonde, Jonette Napolitano. Hopefully I, I'm saying that right. If not, I apologise. No, uh, I think you did get it right. In an overnight stay at the Driscoll Hotel in Austin in Texas, March 91, uh, they were opening up for Sting. <gasps> and, yeah, nice. she revealed to the Detroit Free Press in 92 there was this horny ghost there that goes for women. I want to see you naked was the vibe. And the minute I took my clothes off, I felt like there was someone watching me. I'm sure there her. was, John. I'm blaming Sting. <laughs> <laughs> well, every breath you take, am well, I? Yeah, there's more. He kept turning the lights on and off in my room. I finally unplugged all the lamps. Then he turned on the light in the closet and really slow, slowly opened the closet door, just like a hand was opening it. The light in the closet shined out in the room onto the bed. Then I knew for sure he was there. I just said, I know you're here but I know you're not going to hurt me, so I'm going to go to sleep now. And I got this feeling of amusement, like he was playing. He was just a, like a rascal. It was a game. I guess I'm lucky he was in a good mood. There you I go. Get, I mean, what we can take from that is that rascal's a fantastic word. It is a good word. Um, yep. Look, sure, Johnette, whatever floats your boat. Your ectoplasm <laughs> orgasm is fine with me. That's I... a good band name. <laughs> Ectoplasm orgasm, indeed. So, um, it's fine. It's fine. Look, I, I love the song Joey by Concrete Blonde. Of course, it's great. It it is such a good song, and I feel it's one of those. Unfortunately for the band, everything they do post that is going to be compared to that. Yeah, but you could say that of a lot of bands. Absolutely, but the fact that the difference between this song and Joey is so vast in terms of not only like style but also quality, you're like going, oh, if I heard this song first, I'd probably go, yeah, it's a fun song. I'm sure, I'm sure it's a fun song live. I'm sure the band, you know, everyone gets into it. But yeah. I reckon they're one of those bands that you'd, um, oh, gosh, I think you'd have a good time going to see them at the corner. Oh, you know? absolutely. I reckon they're, they've got a, a, a lovely ve- band vibe to them as yep. a live band. And um, maybe you're just selling them a little bit short just to, you know, to be concentrating on singles, Josh. Joshua. I know. But we are talking about 100% hits. Yeah, they're saying they did, every, they every song on this is 100% hit. They didn't curate it. <laughs> they're just uh, a part of it. 
All right, here's a song which I'm sure you knew at the time as well. This song is by a band called The Clouds. It's their ah. song, Anthem. There we and, go. You know, I, I got to the end of the playlist that you sent me on Spotify and it went straight to the clouds and yep. even. Oh. Yeah. This is another band I think not didn't quite time it right. Although they were like at the forefront of this kind of like indie rock 90s movement in Australia. All these bands who come like after them kind of say, oh, the clouds are a, a really influential band and stuff like that. But I think they were just a little bit too early. But too early for what? Because I wouldn't say that, I would say neither even nor the clouds were small fries. No, they weren't. But I think if they waited, not waited, but if it was like they were still a band in 96, 97 when Triple J went national Uh, and not just in the major cities, uh would have opened up touring to them massively and they could have, you know, now that you said Survived Triple J oh, yeah. and, and 96 in the same sentence, I went, oh, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, look, um, I, I love this whole album. It's uh, it's really great. And when I, I was kind of giving the oh, that awful cover earlier a bit of a hard time for being a, a wall of production, Yeah. And, and there definitely is that sense in this kind of indie sound, but yep. they stopped playing and... Every now and again. So there's a difference between the quiet bits and the loud bits. And I'm okay with the loud bits all being a bit of a wall because yep. I've got some quiet bits. I discovered, I, I found out about this band after the fact. I didn't know this band when they were a band. I wasn't listening to this kind. They weren't talked about in like Juice Magazine, for example, which is one no, of the like, magazines the, I would read about. They're exactly the band of co- the kind of um, music uh, g- group genre-ish that my eldest brother would have got me into. So yep. conti- yeah. But it was wasn't until – so there used to be a record label called Candle Records, mm-hmm. which uh, Darren Hanlon, the Luxsmiths, I think Jodie Phyllis even released, who's a member of the Clouds, released uh, a, an album on – and the Mabels were on there as well. And it was like one of these – and they were – it really did feel like at the time when I was really into that kind of stuff that if it had a candle label on it, I would buy it. Yeah, yeah. That was – I was tr- almost following it like it was a football team, going, yeah. well, I'm just going to support them no matter what. Yeah. And, yeah, and so I remember getting a Jodie Phyllis uh, album, I think it was, and then went back to the earlier Cloud stuff and found all, all these in secondhand – Dixon shops around. Mm. Oh, it's me and Dixon. Heartland Gaslight Records uh, and Dixon Recycled yep. were like um, basement. It's just still going. 
Um, absolutely. Like as soon as I was old enough to, you know, catch the train into the city on my own, that's yeah. <laughs> where we'd always go. <laughs> well, then when I found, because I was living in Tassie and Jodie Phillips for a brief time was living down there as well. I don't think she's there at the minute. I think she's moved up to New South Wales, but yeah. It was oh, Polyester Records too. I polyester say. Records, yes. Yeah. Well, the guy from uh, Candle uh, uh, owned Polyester as well. Oh, so, really? Yeah, oh. It, was, it was all connected. Pure Pop too. I don't know if they're still Chris like Crouch that, is the yeah. man's name. Um, Chuck Jenkins used to work at Gaslight. Oh. And I used to chat to him when he was up there. We're From the ice big, cream hands. Yeah, big big fans of um, XTC. It was so. always that thing when you saw, and I was such a little music geek and nerd, that when I saw someone from a band in their day job and kind of geeking out a bit, going, oh, my goodness, that's, it's it such felt, and such from that band. Yeah, yeah, but it was possible. And, it was, and it, was, it was an integrated kind of thing to be working. Of course, Chuck Jenkins is going to work at a record yeah. store. I want a Chuck Jenkins there to tell me what I should listen to. I, see, I, I miss the record store. I, you know, I just stream all my music now, which is bad, but it's like... How hey. do you feel about that, old man? Because I, I have a problem with... Uh, you. I saw you on Twitter... And yep. going in new music, and I was yes. like, I I miss. Oh, is this just because I'm I'm an old lady? I want to I want to own the thing in my hand. Yeah. If I stream it, it gets kind of lost in my hard drives, or if, even if I buy it because I buy or you buy your Bandcamp and get stuff on Bandcamp because the artist gets more money. But like, I will forget it's there. Yeah. Whereas I can look at my CDs and my records and go, Ah, cool. I haven't pulled this out for a while because it's yep. in front of my face. Yeah. Well, especially that's why records are good because you have to actually get up and turn the record over. You're, yeah. you're active in it. It's you're not just a s- passive where you can go off and do the dishes for an hour and then forget that it was even on. You can stay engaged with it. But yeah. I also mean streaming's great when you can make a whole playlist of stuff and then get stuff done and have this fantastic – or you can put things together for a party or whatever. But I just find with new stuff, I'm terrible because there's a few um, recommendations I got recently and I thought, oh, should I just order the CD because I think I'll listen to it then. Well, what I used to love doing is reading the track, like reading the liner notes. Liner notes. Like you oh. don't have liner notes these days. Oh, I, mean, I used to love Spotify will give you the lyrics, but if I'm on my phone, I'm not going to be looking at lyrics. I'm going to search like Twitter and stuff like that. I'm going to actually oh, do something else. We didn't even, I used to sit down and try to work them out. That's why yeah. some songs are burnt in my brain. Anyone who was a fan down. of early R.E.M. used to sit there, pause. What did he say? What did oh, he say? I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> Anyway, we're not trying to say that it's better or worse. It's just a different way for your brain to Absolutely work now. Absolutely different, yeah. 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 So I'm the same with my diary. I still prefer a paper diary or a calendar because if it's in my I, – I, I might miss a gig. <laughs> There's not I, that many to miss. <laughs> I, I'm the same with calendars and stuff. I like it on paper and someone said – like someone asked me if I could do something like a gig or a podcast and I said, oh, let me just check my diary when I'm home. And they said, do you still have a paper diary? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And they like mm. laughed at me like I was a hundred years old. I'm like, but if, if it's on my phone, I'm not going to see it. It's in my diary. I'm like, oh, oh, here it is. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you go through the rigmarole of setting up a reminder and stuff. Anyway, hey, look, we're over 40 is what we're trying to say, listeners. Yeah. All right. We're moving on. This is, he's been on, he's been on the pod before. We talked about his huge, huge hit, Saltwater. Ah. And now we're going to talk about Julian Lennon's Help Yourself. Oh, boy. 
got a challenging baseline. Oh, that bit was nice. really just the kick and the snare, isn't it? Well, he learned from his dad's band that the drummer doesn't have to be the most fanciest to still be amazing. I can totally see Ringo just bobbing yeah. to this. <laughs> Look. Again, there's there some go. nice changes. There is. Oh, oh do you, you want to keep playing? Yeah, I'll keep okay, playing. Here we go. Just that bit. Nice. There we go. Let, uh, yeah. Oh, you to keep playing? Go to the chorus, guys. Kids, right. when you get home. This is nice. This is nice. It is nice. Anyway, we can stop. All right. I, I like that modulation. I think that it feels like it's going to be a four on the floor, straight down the line. Bass isn't going to do much more complicated than octave. And yep. then... It does a few shifts to keep you kind of engaged enough. Like that little that melodic line at the end. Da, 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 da. It, it lands in these really nice places. I am sticking up for Julian Lennon. We are a very pro-Julian Lennon podcast. I, I was very relieved because I saw this was on here and I went... Don't you dare because Saltwater's a good... Ah, oh, it's the other one. And I do yeah. remember this. This didn't chart too badly from no, memory. No, this was a pretty good follow-up. Now, Julian Leonard, like, it's interesting because many, many reports of him and John not having the greatest relationship, and especially after John died, Yoko pretty much cutting him out of... I think he only got, like, I think $5,000, a very low amount in the will, and all the money went to Yoko and Sean. And well, so, I, I'm listening to Julian. I'm not listening to Sean that much. No. But then also, like, he kind of, like, was trying to do his own thing in the 80s and not be pigeonholed into being John Lennon's son, which must have been so frustrating. Mm. Saltwater, very much Beatles-influenced with the sounds that they're mm -hmm. going with. This song called Help Yourself, if you really did want to go away from the Beatles, don't... Don't call your song, or don't use the word help in your song, I'd say. I think that's a bit of a tough call, considering how big the Beatles were and are. You're going to be cutting a lot of words out if you say no right. Beatles words. You can't, can't say help, you can't say <laughs> love me, you can't say walrus, goo-goo-goo-goo's <laughs> out. Yeah. yeah, hand, that's gone. <laughs> but I think in this section, he's obviously going, you know what, I can't run away from it. It's gonna be there, and he's kind of embracing it. Like yes. it's, and do you, you know? Do we have any information about who played on this? I'm curious. I'm googling. I'm no, googling. but I did see on the Wikipedia. Yeah. George Harrison is listed, but then it says disputed. So, disputed. Yeah. So I don't know <laughs> if George is disputing it or Julie is disputing it. Well, it says uncredited, comma disputed. Yeah. So there's not uh, there aren't really any any names there that are really jumping out to me. Matt Bissonette is the bass player, who has got a background in jazz and jazz fusion. I'm and I'm surprised at you, Matt. Jazz fusion, yeah. I'm, that's a surprisingly when jazz bass isn't bad player. enough. <laughs> I'm not half my band's jazz musicians. I shall remain silent on this. Alexi Sale, Alexi Sale has one of the greatest jokes ever. He goes, "There are two types of jazz, and they're both shit." Still. <laughs> 
oh, it makes me laugh every single time. I love that. I think of it. Um, yep. Yeah, look, I don't think it's a terrible song at all. I don't, I don't either. Think it's, it's not going to get me on the dance floor particularly. I did enjoy, again, walking the dog to this one, but Saltwater I'd sing to. It's, I think that's got it a is plaintive quality to it. Quite a transition, though, from the clouds to that. I think, like, whoever was in charge of the actual sequencing of the album, the 100% hits, maybe maybe go again. Have a yeah, second, have a second crack. You've had a, you've made some criticisms of the, um, of the set list. Yeah, and I concur. Good. It, it's like, uh, were you drunk? <laughs> hey, speaking of a song, I absolutely love. This is "Stay" by Shakespeare's Sister. <laughs> I might have to skip ahead for a bit too. Yeah, yeah no, I'm sorry. Go for it. Because it takes a while to this kick in. World is wearing thin, and you're thinking of escape. I'll go anywhere with you. Just wrap me up in chains. But if you try to go alone, don't think I'll understand. A lot of chorus on her voice, isn't there? <laughs> All right. So then we'll, we'll get to the Siobhan Faye bit. Here we go. Yeah. So much chorus. All right. It's good chorus. I mean, this chorus on her voice. Like, you'd better We get the idea. I'd play the whole song if I could. I, I love it. I love it. I think it's great. <laughs> All right. So. Can I just say next year, Quinny, next yeah. uh, next uh, lip sync battle at the Melbourne Comedy Festival, you and me, Shakespeare's sister. I'll do it. They never asked me to do lip They never asked me either. But if we put forward, we, we're going to do Who Stay by Who are you going to Sh- be? I don't mind. I'll be either. Are you going to be Marcella or Siobhan? Oh, I, look, I think I, I would play better Marcella. I'm a, all right, because I think Siobhan's such a wee thing. It'd be hilarious to have great hulking ginger me in a bad black wig. I can do the wigs. I'll do the wigs. Yep. All right, um, so for those who need to know, Shakespeare's sister uh, it started off as a solo act for Siobhan Faye, uh, former member of Banana Rama, I'm Your Venus, all that kind of stuff. Uh, this is from the album Hormonally Yours. What do you think of that for a title? Hormonally Yours. Oh, look, I like it. And also, we should stress, um, I'm your Venus Bananarama. I don't mind that as a cover. No, it's fine. From this era. I think it works. What, you're saying it's better than Voice of the Beehive? Yes. Yeah, frankly. Uh, Hormonally yours, love it. Good. Sex positive. Shakespeare's sister, spelt Shakespeare with no E on the end. Do you know know why? um, No, but I also want to know why there's no um, possessive apostrophe. Well... It was a woodcutting that she had of Shakespeare and the E broke off. And she went, oh, that's kind of cool. Shakespeare as in like stabbing. Yeah, we'll use that. Shakespeare's sister. Okay. And the apostrophe? 
oh, just, you know, schooling in the UK in the 80s and 70s wasn't great. <laughs> uh, so song was written by Faye in Detroit. Uh, so they were, like I said, it was a solo act. And then in the studio, they got Marcella Detroit, American mm. artist, to come in and sing on the bequest of uh, Faye's husband, Eurythmics uh, star Dave Stewart. Ah, oh, you got to give respect for to Dave. There is yeah. a link between this song and the last song in that it was recorded in George Harrison's studio. So right. there's a Beatles connection. Well, g- disputed or actually? No, no, this one, this one is true. <laughs> okay. And it was inspired by the 1953 sci-fi film Cat Women of the Moon. Oh yeah. About a group of astronauts who land and discover beautiful women with bad intentions. I love it. Do you know, I didn't know that was what it was inspired by, but now that you've said it and I'm thinking yep. of the lyrics and the, and the shift of the characters, yeah. I can see it. But I cannot listen to this song without immediately thinking of the French and Saunders. I was going to say, yes. <laughs> because if you haven't seen French and Saunders doing Shakespeare's sister, you haven't lived. It's so good. Oh. <laughs> They've got such, they're such geniuses at distilling the essence of uh, of a caricature but building on it for its yeah. own world and their Shakespeare's sister is so funny. There's also a very good clip of these two after they reformed in 2019 doing this song on um, Graham Norton. Oh, yeah. okay. Because they broke up quite... Uh, Acrimoniously? It wasn't great. Okay? okay, so this is how they broke up. So uh, Siobhan... Faye was in uh, a rehab centre. She was Ooh. dealing with depression and uh, some substance abuse. Yep. And the Ivor Novella Awards, which is... The Ivor Novella Awards, Which is yeah. kind of a prestigious it's a award. It's, it's songwriting. Yeah. It's for songwriting specifically, yep. yeah. So they won for Stay. They won... The, so only Marcella was there, Marcella. Uh-huh. Uh she didn't go up and collect the award because the publisher went up to collect it and in the speech wished Marcella all the best for the future, uh, all was, all's well that ends well because she's no longer in the band. So she found and, out. And Shakespeare reference as well. Yeah. She found out that in in the space of five minutes, wow, we've just won an award for best songwriting. Amazing. Oh, I'm no longer in the band that won that award. Wow! Yeah. Wow! And it was her that it all started with. Yeah, she's she's the she's the softly like the more operatic voice in in the song. So uh, oh, oh yeah. hang on, I thought you said Siobhan was getting kicked out. You no, said Marcella got kicked out. Marcella got kicked out. Siobhan's in. She's in rehab, and they're like, she's like, I don't want to oh. be in a band anymore. It's just my. It's going to back to be me being solo. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I misunderstood. <laughs> Oh, because oh. she was kind of brought in as a as a as yeah. a ring in sort of, but then they went, "Wow, this is a, a really yeah. intriguing dynamic. Let's yes. make it work." <gasps> if if I was writing it a uh, university essay, I would say the juxtaposition between their voices. <laughs> I actually saw Marcella many many years later on a uh, a competition where they got people, they got sort of semi celebrities to do um to learn opera. opera. Yeah, yeah, and she, she uh, came fifth. She came fifth? Yeah. Was it that far down? Yeah. I didn't remember. Yeah. Oh, I didn't watch wow. it either. But uh, the other thing, she has an extraordinary career. Like she's traditionally a blues singer and she was in Eric Clapton's touring band and she oh. actually wrote the song Lay Down Sally. What? 
Yeah. Oh, she's like 70. Yes. Oh. Yeah. So, and you look at her in 2019, she does not look 70 at no, all. No, I'm looking at a photo of her from 75, the year I was born. Yeah. And she's like, she looks like she could be in the Leon Russell band. <gasps> look at it. I couldn't, I didn't know. I had no idea she was, she was that advanced in years. So, massive hit. Love this song. All right. Now. Yes, no, no, nothing bad to say about it. Do look up the French and Saunders version. There's love in it. Now, Gerald, imagine, you know, just it's 92. You've, you've put on a CD and maybe things are getting a bit, going a bit no, somewhere no, in the I bedroom. No, I know what you're going to say. You've just, Definitely you've not just heard 92. Shakespeare's sister and then no. <laughs> this song comes on. I was 17, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas, are you feeling funky? Are you feeling hip? Give me a yo. Yo. All right, I want everyone to move and groove and shake their funky things a little bit. You got my guitar there, Bill? Got it, yes. Here you are, Richie. Okay, let's see what this little baby can do. Let's go. MCG or the Gabba or the Wacker or the Adelaide Oval or the SCG, it doesn't matter where we are down under in Australia this summer. Because when it's summer in Australia, if you don't like cricket, I can tell you it's a real bummer that because cricket is the number one game in town. Oh, that's all we need to hear. We get it. We get it. I still cannot hear the Wacker without going, or the Gabba. It doesn't matter. Like it's... How do we explain the 12th man to the younger listeners? All right, so in the late, oh no, all through the 80s and early 90s, Billy Birmingham would do parodies of the Channel 9 commentary team or all the wide world of sports uh, commentators, in fact. So he would do like the rugby league uh, commentators as well. But it was uh, the 12th Man uh, CDs that were super popular. The only, the only Australian artist ever to have seven consecutive number one albums. Jesus wept. <laughs> <laughs> also was the original, he wrote uh, Australiana. Ostentatious. Song. Ostentatious who went, yeah. who apparently would do it at parties. He heard Billy Birmingham do it and so he would do it at parties and then said, oh, do you mind if I record it? And Billy Birmingham, yeah, go for it. I don't care. Like it was that thing, like he believed in himself to go, yeah, I'll I'll get the songwriting royalties, but also I'll do something else. I don't yeah, need sure. Australiana. I don't need a, a cock or two. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I I don't know about you. Yes. <laughs> okay. One, I'll say these these CDs or tapes have not aged well. <laughs> I just want that on the record first. I'm aware they've aged horrendously. Whatever do you mean, Josh Earl? I won't go into it. But let's just say Aussie lad comedy in the 80s didn't really respect too many uh, others. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> just, just others. <laughs> yes. But I remember being obsessed. 
if a kid in the playground had the 12th man, it was always that stolen or got a burnt tape or like a copy tape of someone and it would go around and you'd have to hide it from your parents because it would swear and all that kind of stuff. Oh, was and he sweary on the, on the it, actual Yeah, albums? a little bit sweary, yeah. Oh. Um, and then, but it was just like this thing of like, there's a new 12th man. Have you heard the new 12th man? Oh, it's so funny. It's, the, oh, it's amazing. It's such a fascinating, because, so in the, uh, I've got a really, really distinct memory of discovering the degeneration yep. in, in the 80s, because um, I, I grew up, as I said, Wagga Wagga in, in the late 70s and 80s, there were two television channels. One of them was RVN AMV, which is usually like a regional spin on something like Channel 7, yep. just more ads for trucks. And ABC. So, of course, a lot of the comedy influence was BBC just got filtered straight to ABC. But the other, then kind of degen started. So I remember Australia, you're standing in it. Yep. And degeneration were the two biggest local comedy influences. Yep. And so this era of 12th Man, I was watching The Late Show. Yeah. You know, so, and that, and that was a vibe. That was every Saturday. Come on. Now, knowing my brain, I've probably got the day of the week wrong, but I'm no, pretty no. sure it was a Saturday. It was Saturday. It was after <laughs> Birds of a Feather. I know. I was there. I was watching it. But this a little bit, I knew it was there and I knew it was in the charts, but we've already established my disdain for the Australian charts at the time. Yeah. But it was kind of there. And listening to the whole thing, possibly the first time I've ever listened to an entire 12th Man song was oh. prepara- with preparation for this. And I'm going to try to be a... I'm going to try to be positive. Well, it was very influential, this song. His flow is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, records it in his own cupboard. That's how he recorded it. Didn't go in a studio. Oh, I'm, in a cupboard. Si- I'm sitting here next to my wardrobe. I've recorded many things singing into that wardrobe. No judgment. Now, because of this song, Richie Benno, who is the character, for those who don't know, he was the Channel 9... Head commentator of the cricket. Yes. Great beloved, man. beloved figure in Australia. Mm. He stopped saying marvellous off the back of this song. Never said it again in commentary. Changed it to glorious. I reckon I would too. Yep. Yeah. Now, here is a list of uh, the choir members on this song. Okay. Oh, the people that actually sing? The people who are in this song. Because there's some good singers that pop up in the background there. Well, the aforementioned Diesel, he's he's on this song. That's Diesel! Oh, I can hear it now. The aforementioned I, I noticed, Jimmy yeah, Barnes. I I thought someone was <laughs> doing a rip-off of Jimmy Barnes. No, it's actually Jimmy Barnes. I I remember exactly where on the dog walk I was when I heard that and went, that's a very good Jimmy Barnes. <laughs> John Farnham. Fuck off! <laughs> I believe it. Yep. I believe it. He's from, you know, John Farnham's primary school's about a, a, a kilometre from where I'm currently sitting. Yeah. Uh, Buzz Bidstrup from the Angels. He's on there. Oh, God. Okay. Mark Callahan of Ganga Jang. Wow. Dave Steele of Weddings Parties Anything. Oh, God. These, for, for a lot of listeners, these are just names of bands that you think I'm making up, but they're actual proper no, they're good bands. Proper good bands. And finally, Glenn Shorick of the Little River Band. <laughs> 
So two singers from Little River Band, technically, yeah. with yeah. Farnsey. Farnsey and, Farnsey and Glenn. So and, and, oh. only someone with, like, at this stage, I think four number one albums can just go, hey, you're playing on this song, which is called Marvelous, the 12th Man featuring MCG Hammer, which is just perfect. Perfect. That's, that's great. Yeah. I mean... That's great. You'd you know, almost start with that and then work backwards to, to yeah. the song. <laughs> you know, that list that you just read out is yes. going to be the sole impetus for me re-listening. Yeah, <laughs> try and pick, pick where they are. Uh, it's so funny that I so thought that sounded like a Barnsley impressionist and it was him. So can I say next year, 2023, Melbourne Comedy Festival, we do Stay by Shakespeare's Sister. <laughs> we get through to the next round and then we do... Marvellous by the 12th man. Oh, we're going to have to do a lot of wig changing, but we can do it. We all just have to schedule, just plan those bars and get the beats down. Um, but this, there was a woman singing on it, wasn't there? Or was that John hitting one of his high notes? Because he's in my range. I'm. Oh, no, there is. Uh, there is. Look. You tell me it's Vanetta Fields, I'm going to wet my pants. Can I say, this is all, they've they're called the First Eleven Choir. So it's J.D. Barnes, G.L. Bidstrup, A.P. Brock, M.J.D. Callahan, D.I. Ezel, which is for Diesel. Oh, God. D.L. Froggett, K.J. K.J. Miller, J.C. Neal. So I don't know. Like I just know that they're – I could pick out the, the names I knew. Oh, that's fine. No, if there was a surname of a singer at the time, I mean – yeah. Yeah, you, you could usually put a, a pretty decent $50 bet on Vanetta Fields being involved in almost everything in that period. So. I'm shocked Jenny Morris didn't get a call up, to be honest. I was about to say yeah. Jenny Morris is my second yeah. choice. <laughs> right, that, yeah. that's that's side B. That's side B, Geraldine. What do you think? Now, this, I, is, this is something that Mer- Michelle Brazier uh, started. Of a percentage out of 100, what would you give 100% hits, volume four, side B? How many hits? <sighs> God, are we judging on being able to get through it, innovation? Well, I reckon um, if you get through it, that's probably a song. Uh, if you can't get through it, that's probably a sign it's not a hit. Of the whole side as a whole? Of a whole, of yeah, yeah, what do you reckon? Out of 100. So we'll, we'll go through So Look, tip of my tongue. Oh, you want me to score each of them? No, no, Let's. I'll just go through them for you. Tip oh, of my okay. tongue, God, yes God. or no? Hit? Yes. Yes. Look, I think I'm, go- I'm going on the charts at the time. I can bear it. Okay, I think go. I love you. God, no. no. You two won. Absolute hit. Yes. Even if you said no, I'm going to put it in. Candy Harlot's Sister Crazy. Sister's Crazy. Look, I'm, I'm sorry. I am going to say no. I couldn't. Yep. I struggle with that. Concrete Blonde, Ghost of a Texas lady, Ladies Man. I think yes. It's a filler, but yes. The Clouds Anthem. Yes. Julian Lennon. Yes. Shakespeare's Sister. Of course, yes. And then finally, The Twelfth Man, Marvellous. Um, yes, so that I can go back and try to work out which bit's Farnsey. That's seven. Seven. That's good. That's like 80, 82% hits. I know. And when you originally contacted me and you said there's some real stinkers, I didn't realise, A, how many different CDs you were going through. <laughs> but then you sent me the list and I went, this isn't that That isn't that stinky. No. Really? No, well, look, I think I think it's very top top heavy, this album. So side A... Some really good songs we talked about last week with Dave Callan, but still. Yeah, there was, yeah, I can imagine there was some really great ones. Yeah. Once you've got them in with side A, kids, yeah. you didn't have to give a shit about side B. That's yep. what it used to be like. Now we've actually got to write 17 singles that, on an album. That may have been the death of the album there. Uh, you just described it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Maybe, unless you're Kate Bush, in which case, yes. A lot of filler, listen. not much you killer. Sh- you should listen to every single song on Hounds of Love Children. Yes. They're all good. Hey, thank you so much for doing this, Geraldine. Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter as Geraldine Quinn. I am on TikTok. I had to call myself Geraldine Quinn official. I'm really sorry. I just, there was no other way. And it's the same on Instagram. And my website's just my name. And uh, Bandcamp is, again, my name, Geraldine Quinn. Check out Geraldine's stuff over on Bandcamp, especially have, if, you're, yeah. if you're a fan of like comedy songs like we just heard. Geraldine does some very, very funny comedy songs. Oh, I, yeah, I wanted to be a musician first, so yeah, I tried to concentrate You've, you've got on. some funny songs on there. Let's not say yeah, it's not. I, I, no, I guess so. I mean, I got nominated for yeah. like, the most Best outstanding show, the show uh, this year, like recently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Speaking of which, do I, I am going to have to plug that as well. Yeah. When's this coming out? Uh, it'll be out uh, on the 29th. So it's in June? Yep. Okay, so the 21st and 22nd of July... I will be doing my show Broad at Comedy Republic as part of the Replay Festival. And that's the show that got nominated for the Gibbo and the Most Outstanding Show in 2022. Please come. Go along. (laughs) I don't have any work. Please. (laughs) Thank you so much. Hey, if you're in Sydney, I'm doing the podcast, Don't You Know Who I Am, at The Vanguard on July 10 at 1.30. So it's a Sunday. And then I'm following that up with Modern Contemporary in the same venue half hour after we finish. So time to get get a beer, maybe get a little bite to eat. And then Modern Contemporary, the show, all about when I was 16 and I joined a professional dance company in Tasmania. <gasps> oh, Josh, you're so good. I didn't see that show. I heard good things, but you're so good at those kinds of stories. Thank you. Well, mm. tickets at joshearl.com.au. Hey, thanks everyone who's um, jumping on the Patreon. Uh, you guys are the absolute best. Keeping the lights on. Thank you, Geraldine. Speaking of the best, you are too. I'll see you all <laughs> next time. Bye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.